Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Gary Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Enchanted, which came out in 2007, which is longer ago than I thought, actually. Time? Time is a line fuck. I, I was like, I know this movie's been out for a minute, but like, that's way longer than I thought. I was thought. like, this movie came out and in my early 20s. Hopefully... I was I was graduating from high school. Yeah. It is written by Bill Kelly and directed by Kevin Lima. Uh, and we watched it. We rented it on iTunes or yeah, Apple. Same. I it's not streaming anymore, Disney Plus. That seems right. I was like, like why, why is this not on Disney Plus? Like literally everything's on Disney Plus. Well, and it's also a Disney movie, right? Like, yes. It stars. Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, Susan Sarandon, Timothy Spall. I'm missing someone. Idina Menzel. Yeah. Uh, who they don't let sing in this Disney musical. Well, I mean, they basically owed her Elsa after this movie where she gets to do basically jack shit and then gets left by her fiance. So okay. the very realistic premise of this movie is that Amy Adams is a Disney princess, very much uh, sort of traditional Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Rapunzel-esque Disney princess. Cartoon She's Disney actually princess, like excuse me. styled remarkably close to Rapunzel in Tangled. Yes, and- the animation style is Tangled. <laughs> yeah, she's basically Rapunzel when she's animated. And Natalie Morgan, friend of the pod, said something to us when we said we were doing Enchanted. She said that um, Giselle was never like made into a Disney princess, quote unquote, because they couldn't come to a deal with Amy Adams to use her likeness. Um, like they didn't want to pay her what she wanted, which is truly absurd because Disney has more money than like fucking anybody and just pay Amy Adams, whatever she's asking. Um so I, it's almost like I wonder if they like were like, well, since we didn't make this into like we don't have any merch, like let's just recycle the look for Tangled. When did Tangled come out? 2010, I want to say. Yeah. Love Tangled. I actually listened After to the Tangled this. album this morning. Um, because I love it. Um, anyway, this movie is about a cartoon Disney princess who 2010. I'm amazing. Uh, who, because the evil queen, Susan Sarandon, doesn't want her to marry her stepson and take her throne, throws her down a well, which lands her in modern day New York. Uh, with where real, it's not a cartoon anymore. And wackiness ensues. Patrick Dempsey and his fairy tale obsessed daughter happen upon her. She has wandered from Times Square to Soho to Brooklyn. It's really, she's made her way through the city. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and why they're in a cab in Brooklyn is unclear since he's like coming from work and then going back to his Manhattan home. But anyway, uh, maybe it's not Brooklyn. It's just what it appeared to be to me. Um, they, he takes her in and is he's kind of a cynic who's engaged to Indina Menzel. And then James Marsden, her cartoon prince, follows her to the real world. And more wackiness ensues. There's a chipmunk animals can speak in disney in the cartoon world and they can't in the real world you guys know you get it right um 
Although sometimes the rules of cartoon world are also the rules of real world. Like Susan Sarandon's magic works in the real world. And also like people know songs. It's unclear what the rules are. But who cares? There, there aren't any. There aren't rules. It's okay. It's like Vegas. Like we're just, we're just accepting what happens here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie's unhinged, quite honestly. <laughs> I forgot how ridiculous it is. But... Yeah. But it knows it like I feel like the movie's like like kind of winking at us like we all know this is banana pants because because it's it's Disney I mean it's a Disney movie it just happens to be set like in modern day well and it's It's, commenting and like and like making references to other movie uh, Disney movies but also other like there's a lot of sound of or there's at least two significant sound of music references yes well um, and we have julie andrews narrating so they're like nods to her. Narrating. yeah although julie andrews was a part of um the disney cinematic universe at this time because of uh princess bride no what princess who Tyrese. princess diaries <laughs> um and i guess like they it disney must own the rights to sound of music Yes, I they must. basically like she, Giselle, the princess played by Amy Adams, cuts her clothes out of curtains, which I think it has to be a nod to Sound of Music. And then yeah. at one point, she's running up a hill in Central Park, and it's the same shot as the beginning of Sound of Music. Yes, um, but then there's also like, uh, you know, there's an evil witch and an apple, which is Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. There's mm-hmm. maybe Apple is only Snow White. No, yeah, that's right. In Sleeping Beauty, she pricks her finger. She pricks her um, finger, yeah. But there's a reference to how she spun, how Giselle has spun the thread to make these clothes herself, which is right. Sleeping Beauty. Um, She's able to, like, summon animals to do her bidding both in both worlds. Again, like, the rules kind of floating between both worlds. I do find it very funny that when she summons animals in New York City, it's rats and cockroaches and pigeons instead of yes. like woodland creatures. Yes. Um, I mean, this movie, this movie is hysterical. And honestly, like there's something kind of nice about Disney, like poking fun at itself. I feel like there was certainly a span of time where like Disney took itself really seriously and it still does to some extent. But like, I remember when Shrek came out and, and Shrek is obviously not Disney. It's, it's DreamWorks and it's doing a parody of Disney movies. But like there was like kind of an uproar from Disney, if I remember correctly. Like, I just feel like it, it has a historically like Disney takes itself very seriously. And so this is really fun to see it playing with a lot of those tropes and like poking fun at, at its own canon in a lot of ways. Um, yes, I agree. I mean, and Amy Adams is a hilarious Disney princess. The acting in this movie is very good, except with two exceptions, <laughs> Patrick Dempsey and the child. And I'm willing to forgive the child with that. She's a child. I actually find her charming. She's not like some kind of phenomenal actress, but she's also like what eight. She's very um, cute. And I think that's all I need from a child actor. Yeah. Um, and like, we've talked about like precocious children in movies before, but I like find her precociousness very charming. Her precociousness, her precociousness is also age appropriate. Like she wants this Disney princess to stay. She wants, you know, she likes fairy tales and things like it's, she's not like rolling her eyes at the dumb adults. You know what I mean? Like she feels like a child. Yeah. Um, In a way that sometimes children in movies don't. Mm 
Um, yeah. I actually don't even mind Dempsey in this movie. Um, he d- he doesn't do much, honestly. Like, he's just there to sort of, like, be a handsome guy. He's there to be McDreamy because, again, we're in 2007. So we're in yes. peak. I mean, like, Addison Montgomery Shepard just showed up and then this movie came out. You know what I mean? Like, we're at the height of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yes. Greatness. Yeah, we're, like, trying to make him a rom-com star, which never really worked. Um, well, because like, he's boring. Yeah. He's boring and like handsome and fine, but the like, and again, I realize we, this podcast has essentially just become a James Marston stand podcast, but like he's, it's he's absurd the interesting man in this. And he's so good. I said James Marston could play uh, Derek Shepard. Patrick Dempsey could not do this. That's exactly right. That's exactly. I mean, also like watching this, having just watched him in Bachelorette, which could not be a more different performance. It is astounding how good he is at both. Well, and it's, and I think we talked about this in the Art Bachelorette episode, and then you cut it out because I gave spoilers. So this next chunk of things I say will contain spoilers for the series dead to me. So if you don't want them, skip, skip, skip ahead. It's also what Dead to Me d- mm-hmm. does so well is in their first plays in he- first season, he plays this like dick asshole guy. And then in the second season, he plays his own twin who's this like sort of like goofy, lighthearted, like uh, sort of like jovial, happy guy. And not a lot of actors. It's sort of, it's like it, almost eye rolly of like, oh, we're doing that like evil twin thing. And that, but then it's like, oh, but it's James Marsden. And why would you, after you've, again, spoiler alert, keep skipping ahead after you've killed his character you don't want to lose him on the show what a great way to bring him back and then right. he gets to play this completely opposite thing yeah he's just such a good actor and in this he's playing a disney prince he's playing like the quintessential like rom-com lead except like goofy and ridiculous and stupid and yeah. he and timothy spall who's just playing the exact only other character i've ever seen him play which is wormtail yeah <laughs> just playing like a little henchman um, who in the end, like, kind of uh, redeems himself, redeems a little. himself, but not really. Um, one day I'll write a dissertation on how the movies completely ruined his redemptive arc, but this is not the time. <laughs> um, he's supposed to kill himself from guilt, guys. Okay, anyway, uh, they have like a lot of fun antics together. Susan yes. Sarandon is, uh, you know, she's a very good actress. She's Susan Sarandon, right. Yeah, and even Andina Menzel, I mean, she gets very, very, very little to do. But when she's there, she's, she's, I mean, Andina Menzel is, it's hard to take your eyes off her when she's on screen because she's just so beautiful. Um, so remembering the time we're in, uh, you know, it's 2007. So Andina Menzel is a Broadway star, but not a mainstream movie star at this time. Right. I don't know if we would even call her a movie star now, but I think... I guess we would frozen. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, that's like, I think you and I in 2007 knew who Adina Menzel were because we were theater kids. I'm not sure most people watching this movie necessarily knew who she was. No. Except, I guess maybe if they watched the movie Rent, but which right. also when they're in Times Square, there's a Rent uh, billboard and a Mamma Mia billboard. There's a lot of fun billboards that put us that's squarely fun. in 2007. Um, yeah, I mean, the performances are great. 
Patrick Dempsey, I mean, we've talked about him before. He's just, he's good at doing like the one thing he's good at doing, which is being kind of like the straight guy to antics around him. And he's, and he's good at it. I'm not like taking that away from him, but he's not bringing the heat in any kind of sense. Turning a joke. He's not doing anything interesting. There's a scene where like they're walking through Central Park and she's singing this song that like everyone miraculously knows. And then there's like choreographed dances in Central Park. And his job is to be like, what's going on? How do people know this? And it just like every time he like cut in to be like, what's happening? I was like, I get him out of the scene. (laughs) I love this scene. And he's just sort of like, oh, like, I don't know. I, I I have something really cheesy to say. Say it. So. And this is like only going to make sense to people who watch Grey's Anatomy, but that's what I bring to this podcast, obviously, always. Um, so I TikTok reminded me last night of the scene where like Christina's last scene and Christina and Meredith's goodbye. Is that and- the, because I never watched that far. I stopped after the plane crash. Is that the he is not the son you are scene? Yes. From yeah, what I've seen of it on TikTok, it's a lovely scene. Um, it's a lovely, it's it's one of my favorite scenes. And the last thing that Christina says to Meredith, because Meredith is getting caught up in being, you know, Derek Shepard's wife versus being Dr. Meredith Gray, and where you know, which role is she playing and blah blah blah. And the last thing Christina says before she leaves is he is very dreamy, but he is not the son you are. And there's something sort of like meta about it because that's because it's true of like it's true of Derek Derek and Meredith but then it's also kind of true of of Patrick Dempsey and all the things we talked about but and Ellen Pompeo and and I think like intentionally so like the show was written to be about Meredith and and oftentimes like focuses on sort of like the people in her orbit and he is you know in her orbit but the show's not about him and so like in a lot of ways that's intentional but it also is true of their performances you know like they're just not they were very good together and they had great chemistry always and they will go down in history as like one of the great tv couples but she outacts him like she outacted him all the time, always. Uh, this is now just a an episode on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Carrie has been waiting to do this. I mean, um, but that's true. I just to bring it back to the movie we're watching. That's also true of this movie. He and Amy yeah. Adams don't have crazy good chemistry. He kind of has good chemistry with the kid, like yeah, I believe. Um. But Amy Adams and James Marsden are very funny together. Like everybody else, he's outacted by every person around him. Yeah. And out chemistried by every person around him. That to like it's the one thing of this movie that I honestly, in this ridiculous movie that's asking us to buy so much ridiculous stuff, it's the one thing where I was like, if we had a different lead, it, it like I think I would enjoy it more. It was the one thing mm-hmm. that took me out of it. Not rats cleaning. Uh, a bat not like a woman sewing a dress in a night not rats cleaning a bathtub not falling through a well from one world to the other it was Patrick Dempsey being like who would love this man (laughs) I the thing that took me out was his atrocious wig 
Like this man has some of like the best hair in fucking Hollywood, particularly at this time. I'm so good at catching wigs. It there was definitely a piece, or maybe some reshoots or something happened. I don't know. There were a handful of scenes where, like, I mean, this man is literally. This is 2007. He's literally like building a television career on his hair, and it's not great in this movie. It's just really to build a television career on his hair because he doesn't have other talent please don't send Patrick Dempsey this episode <laughs> I, so I, I mean, like yeah. that is I that is farther than I would take it I think Patrick Dempsey like I said I think he's very good at doing the one thing the straight handsome guy thing and by straight I don't mean like not gay I mean like not funny <laughs> I just mean like he he sort of and in this movie he's supposed to be kind of like the audience being like this lady's crazy you know like this is this is not how the world works um and but he, like, he to does some that when he's mean he keeps being like at one point he straight up is like that prince is not coming for you he's yeah, not real that was and kind it, of a dick moment and she keeps being like yes he is and he like it like refuses to just like let her like i understand if you were in okay, but that's not Patrick shoes, you wouldn't no i know i'm just talking about the character oh, okay <laughs> if you were in his shoes you would also be like you are a mentally unstable woman. No prince is coming for you. But you wouldn't like, he's like demanding she realize it. Yeah. Like, dude, give her a fucking break. Um, the, the scene where he like takes her back to her, to his apartment and he's like, yeah, you can't stay here. And he's saying to his daughter, like, she can't stay here. I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, you can't let this woman who thinks she's a Disney princess stay in the same apartment as your six-year-old. Like, that that's the correct answer some studio except absolutely was like you need to figure out how he's okay with this so we believe he's a good father so they added a four second scene of him being like you're gonna sleep in my room tonight (laughs) it was entirely (laughs) added so that you could be like how would you let a person we're supposed to believe is like a good man and a good father let a strange woman off the street who seems unstable stay in the home with your child and someone was like add four seconds that he makes the kid sleep in his room yeah you know what fine we we have to buy into the ridiculousness of this movie um carrie how did you do carrie has a phobia of rats much like i do of snakes and uh, cockroaches i didn't love that part oh they don't but there there were so many rats in this movie using their tails yeah i just sort of checked out a little bit in those scenes but also they're very clearly cgi'd so like i was it was not as bad as I expected. Um, it's also very funny, like you said, like the fact that like fucking New York City vermin like comes in to help her clean the apartment is is hilarious. There are no woodland creatures in Manhattan, only disgusting city animals. Yeah. Um, which is very funny. Um, and and uh, pigeons wrap her in a towel, which is a I think a Cinderella homage. But like mm-hmm. I noticed more than I ever have before the like CGI ness of the towel. Yeah, <laughs> which like of course they did not train doves to wrap her in a towel. <laughs> um, I'm glad you were able to work through the rats of it all. Yeah. Um. There's also like I listened to the lyrics of the songs. The songs are kind of funny yeah that like in the first scene she's talking or in the first song it's called true love's kiss and one of the lines is lips are the only things that for lips are the only things that touch which is 
you know, like obviously hilarious because in you know Disney movies, then even into in rom coms for some example, it to some extent, like lips are the only things that Chuck touch like they're very chaste we're pretend like sex sex is not a thing um and like the songs are very simple and simplistic but i think intentionally so um so it was fun to sort of listen for that and listen for the the parody in the satire like even in the song lyrics yeah one of my favorite lines is in when she's cleaning his apartment and she says uh, something, something that rhymes with vermin, and then so friends, even though you're vermin, we'll all sing a happy working song, and then like all the disgusting animals clean the apartment. Yeah, it's just you're right. Like it, there's a self awareness. I mean, this movie it exists because it like it's a parody. It's self aware. It's funny. Yes. Uh, this movie this, is also. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the one thing I think we were doing in this time because it also happens in. Uh, the movie Elf, which is when we're referencing sort of Disney movies, we always find an actual real little person and then dunk on them as a dwarf, which like a not like a person with dwarfism, like like a like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like oh she yeah. bumps into a little a real little person on the street who like is New York, so says like move it, lady, and then she goes grumpy, and it's just kind of like okay, we just like we don't ever put little people in movies to just like have stories or right or arcs like we just threw them in there to to make a to make a snow white and the seven dwarfs joke yeah um and i mean it, i think we're doing elf this christmas it'll happen again we'll we'll right. we'll use um a very talented actor or just a joke about how he is missing from Santa's workshop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly like in this movie, that that joke didn't feel necessary. It didn't add anything. It didn't get us anywhere. It well, just... and because later she says a joke about like where she's going to stay. And she's like, maybe a hollowed out tree. Or she's like, or a house of dwarves. I hear they're hospitable. And that is funny. It's a reference to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs without dunking on like, like a real group of people like it's it's yeah referencing the movie without without like finding an actor and using that actor just to shit on a, a group of marginalized people mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah it didn't it didn't you know make or break that movie no right which is a I think a good thing to remember as creative people which is like is this joke is even if you find it funny, is it worth shitting, punching down? Does it really add that much to your movie? Or if you lost it, would that maybe be better? Because it's, you know, not worth it. Not worth punching down. Right. Um, you were going to say something before I went on that rant. This movie is very joyful. Like there's just, I mean, this movie is not, doing much in terms of like it's not saying much but it also like doesn't need to it is just a happy movie it's a happy movie it's a fairy tale it's a fantasy um you know we have these like really we have a couple of big sort of musical numbers there's a ball like the movie does a nice job of working sort of like 
big set PC scenes into modern day New York. Um, and uh, there was something else. Oh, we get like a couple of fun montages. Um, kind of a letdown of a shopping montage, I will say. Like at one point, she and the daughter are going shopping. Yeah. We see and a lot of bags, but we don't see a lot of like trying on clothes. There's no trying on clothes. Like the music is sort of a dud. Like, could we not get the rights to a better song to back this up? Like, like I, I got excited at the beginning. I was like, yes, shopping montage. And then I was like, oh, I forgot this sort of sucks. It's yeah. Kind of a letdown. Um, yeah, that is a good point. But I mean, overall, I just feel like this movie is is fun it's it's got it reminded me of I had kind of like not ever put this together before but it reminds me of um in a lot of ways the premise is similar to Kate and Leopold but that is a movie that does take itself really seriously and that's kind of like what never really worked about that movie whereas I haven't seen it since we saw it in theaters Oh, I've seen it a handful of times. And every time I'm like, I have lots of questions. Um, We'll put it on the list. Yeah, we should put it on the list. But, But I think that like what, as opposed to that, like what does work about this movie? And I think that this movie, people, this movie has sort of stayed in the pop culture consciousness in a way that Kate and Leopold hasn't. And I think that, that a lot of that has to do with the fact that this movie is fun and joyful and Kane Leopold is not yeah and there yeah and you're talking about like set PC fun scenes like at the end Susan Sarandon like literally turns into a dragon a la right. Sleeping Beauty and like captures Patrick Dempsey and then there's a fun like yeah very light very 2007 very like touching like walking right up to feminism without going overly like overtly right. feminist where like then she gets to go save him um And it's sort of like, we're not super, there's not what I wish this movie had more of and what I think it would have more if it it were made today was like a full turning on its head of sort of like feminist tropes of a rom-com or of a Disney movie. Yeah. Um, And this doesn't super do it except at the end. And that's kind of nice. She's still unconscious and two men kiss her without her. We still are not having an unconscious woman be kissed without consent. (laughs) Yeah several times by james marston because he's not her true love so when it doesn't work he has to keep kissing her yeah until adina menzel is like no no the next man can try yeah um but yeah there's not really i liked at the end that like she then has to go after patrick dempsey and help save him but i think i would enjoy more of that throughout the movie yeah I do, I mean, and I do think like I I like the twist. I as we were coming to like the true love's kiss moment, I was like, this feels like not fully flushed out. And then when we get the twist that like she's got to rescue Patrick Dempsey, I was like, okay, this this is the flushing out that I needed. Yeah, we, we also another beat. I think part of what also like kind of works as this sort of like modern day fairy tale is that she gets a bit of an arc. She's not just sort of like this happy, flighty, naive princess. She starts out that way, but then she she gets to do more. And that 
sort of comes to its head at the end when she has to rescue him and he becomes the the quote-unquote damsel in distress but we see her grow we see her um kind of have like a fully fleshed out arc which is nice and is not a thing for for most disney princesses yeah she learns things she learns that the real world is sometimes hard and sad and not a fairy tale and then Adina yeah. Menzel gets to go live in Cartoon Land with James Marston. I want that movie. Is that going to be Enchanted too? I thought there had been talk of that, and then it just like never happened. Which I think is, there's and then talk of Enchanted too somewhere, but I don't know that it's like the Adina Menzel James oh, Marston okay. story. Although I certainly hope so. One can only hope. One can only hope. There is a point at the end where like Susan Sarandon is as a dragon is like carrying him up the Empire State Building and Adina Menzel, James Marsden, and Timothy Small- Spall are all just like standing watching. I was like, can yeah. I, like someone do something? Like Adina, sing them down or something. Like one of you, one of you needs to take some initiative here. Her like face acting through a lot of the movies really funny because like her reactions, she doesn't necessarily have lines, but like her reactions just sort of like the unhingedness around her is quite funny at times. Yes. Oh, in terms of like Disney and feminism, I mean, you could write a thesis. There are books. There are lots of books about Disney and feminism. <laughs> Someone has written a thesis, I'm sure. Um, in fact, I think there's a book called like Help Disney Kidnap My Daughter or something like that. But anyway, there's lots of them. But um, it made me think I'm interested. There's a new, there's going to be a new Cinderella. Um, and it's, it's made they're direct- promoting it it's written and directed by Kay cannon so i'll be interested to sort of see some of the like 2021 Kay cannon takes on cinderella am i gonna watch pitch perfect tonight probably i mean exactly yeah i think that i think um I do. I think it's interesting. And even like, I think it's interesting that we are reworking some old Disney movies to make them feminist. Although didn't we just do a Cinderella? Didn't we just have a Lily James Cinderella? And now we have a Camilla Cabello Cabello Cinderella. It feels like, but yeah, I feel like we're redoing a lot of Disney movies and also like your Frozen's, your Moana's, your like even the Disney movies sort of coming out now, your Brave's justice for brave um you're tangled to a lot of extent yeah um i think one of the things i've always really liked about tangled is uh there is an aspect of she has to save flynn rider and it's and like she and like that feels like a disney princessy couple where it's like oh you made each other like better people Mm -hmm. and you like instead of like him just being some prince that saves her they're right. like a team, which is what I always liked about Tangled. Um, all this to say that, like, I think Disney is evolving and we're getting more sort of like feminist Disney movies. Like there is no yeah. love story in Moana, which is lovely. Um, There's a love story between Theodore and Hey Hey. I, thought he I loved- mean, that's only in my home. Uh, my, for my one of my two year olds almost two-year-olds um is obsessed with moana obsessed. Mo mama. he calls it mo mama 
Oh, mama. Well, um, also, when he wants to watch it, does he still do this? Does he still do his arms behind him singing like Moana does? Yeah, like he's belting. Yes. And he goes, Mo mama. <laughs> but then he loves Hey Hey whenever. And the scene for people who have seen Moana, the scene where so Hey Hey is like stowed away on the boat and he realizes he's like out in the He's this stupid hey chicken. He was a chicken. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey. he's, he's a chicken. like chicken friend um and he like realizes he's out in the middle of the ocean and he screams and then theo always screams back to him like ah! <laughs> he wants hey, hey to know he's not alone what a nice boy so um yeah and see little boys can love a movie about a uh you know samoan princess becoming the chief of her village yeah saving her village and everyone with the help of Dwayne the Rock Johnson yeah but no I I saw something today that just said I have to find you said it if you don't cut this out it has nothing to do with anything so you can get it out but I just saw a tweet that said said, Dwayne the Rock bottom (laughs) (laughs) it's like nothing is funnier than that um oh maybe I'll watch that weird like cave movie with him and Emily Blunt tonight maybe that's what I'm gonna do with my night oh tell me how that is um yeah, I mean, Disney definitely, like, I I love Moana. I mean, I've seen it 40,000 times now because I have a child who's obsessed with it. But um, one of the things I like about it is that there's no love story. Um, so Disney's, I just think, like, it'll be interesting when you take something that's sort of like a traditional Disney princess, like Serenity. Cinderella, or like in this case, in the case of Enchanted, I mean, she's based like you said, very much on sort of like an amalgamation of Cinderella, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. So it's, it's very sort of like traditional princess in that way. And then how do you kind of like update that or turn that on its head? Yeah. And this movie does, I think a good job of that, but a 2007 job of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and it's also, I don't think like the new Cinderella is as, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know much about it, honestly, but I don't think that it's it's supposed to be as like campy or over the top or as unhinged as this movie is. Okay. Did anything not hold up for you? I have a couple sort of quick things that I think would be different today. R.I.P. Carrie Underwood. We lost her this week. Not to death. Just she's an anti-maxer. Masker. Ever, ever after that song at the end. Oh, you're right. That is great. 2007 Carrie Underwood. Like, um, it's a bop. I will say, you know what song is like? I just love every time I every time I hear it. I'm like, James Josh Groban should be singing this song. Is that That's is so the cool song at song. the ball? That so close song. I it's fucking beautiful. love that song. And who and it's on? It's like on who sings it? It's nobody. I mean, it's a. It was written guy. for this movie. Um, so I don't know the guy that's singing it at the ball. I have no idea who he is. Um, it's a beautiful song. It's on like some playlist that we have for the boys. And every time it comes on, I'm like, gosh, this is just, I'm just going like to be like belting. His name is John McLaughlin, but I need to return back to it's on some playlist you have for the boys. That playlist that it's on is the Allison Gilbert certified nanny playlist circa oh. 2013. 
when oh, I, you like consciously added it to a playlist. I thought it was just like Spotify, like geniusing it. No, it is, I believe, on my nannying playlist along with Happy Working Song, because I basically, when I was a nanny and now we have repurposed it for the boys, made a playlist of like Disney songs I loved. And in 2013, when I was nannying, I liked Enchanted. That's so um, funny. That's also why there are some songs that are very specific to the little girl I was nannying at the time, like the song Quinn the Eskimo, because her name is Quinn, <laughs> and uh, the song Yeah by Usher and Ludacris, because she thought it was really funny when Lil John would go, yeah. <laughs> so I played that for her. But now we've updated it for the boys. So there are such hits as um, uh, The Boys Are Back in Town. Uh, what's the one? Uh, they see me rolling, they hating because Ben used to, he couldn't crawl, so he would just move his little body along the floor. <laughs> he would army crawl, he would army crawl. Um, and a lot, and it takes two, a lot of various versions of it takes two because they're <laughs> twins. Anyway, my nanny playlist is fire, and yes, it contains the song So Close by apparently John McLaughlin. A re- I mean, a gem of a song, a gem of a song. Um, yes, it is lovely. And then it the, ends with the Carrie Underwood song ever after, which I don't okay. think I realized was written for this movie, but also I had the thought of how sad that we lost her this week. Yeah. Again, she's what not I dead. See? She's just a Republican. <laughs> what did somebody tweet? Um, oh, maybe next time. Cause okay. So it came out that she's like an anti-maxer because she retweeted. Like some tweet she retweeted it i think she's smart enough not to retweet it but dumb enough not to know we can tell what you liked carrie underwood no i do think she retweeted it because somebody screenshotted it oh and and so and tweeted maybe next time she'll think before she tweets (laughs) i just it really got me the other thing the other minor thing is so at the end of the movie we're having this sort of like again elf-esque this movie has some elf qualities but like like a storybook of where everyone is yeah. now and one of them is that timothy spall's character who's sort of like the ratty footman um maybe he's not ratty and that's just again <laughs> what where my brain goes when i see this actor um but he's written a book about like getting away from the evil queen and they zoom into a bookstore <laughs> that he's selling it and it's called epstein books it's like oh we wouldn't name it that today um, I'm sure it was just like somebody's name because yeah. part of my job is clearing like names of bookstores or names of like, anytime you see a business, you have to get that name cleared. Um, and so it can't be it either. I mean, different, this is very boring, but di- so cut it out, but like different businesses have different or different studios have different rules. So usually it's like, there has to be none of an existing business or so many that not one can like sue you. Um, and so I imagine there were just no Epstein books and it was somebody's name. Um, because I, if the person in charge of that on this movie was anything like me, they were just throwing names of people they knew. That's why if yeah. you watch Keenan season two, you can see a Bensley's grocery store. <laughs> um, or on a different show I worked on, there was a Chester's Bistro because my best friend's middle name is Chester. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> creative. Um, but this one is Epstein book. And I just thought that doesn't hold up. Yeah, I want to talk about how come in movies, powerful men never put on their own coats. When he's leaving work, his assistant puts on his coat for him. And it happens. Oh, it does happen a lot. It's it not happens a thing. in my best friend's wedding when when uh, 
Mr. Wallace is leaving work for the day and he has her send the emails that then accidentally sends Julie, like she puts on his coat. I just, it happens on the West when he doesn't like do his coat thing. It's always like Renee Estevez is putting on his coat. Why can powerful men in movies and TV shows not put on their own coats? I mean, I assume if you're the president of the United States, like somebody else puts your coat on for you. But, but... not if you're just like a divorce attorney. Can you imagine yeah. if dad ever had Skippy put on his coat? how fast he would have been murdered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've worked with a lot of like traditional old school dude attorneys, male attorneys, and I've never seen that happen. So yeah, like Skippy was our dad's long time. She was not his assistant. She, was, she did a lot more than assistant. She was the office manager, paralegal. But I just can't imagine him ever being like, Skippy, my coat and her not being like, you have arms. I'm working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked with I mean, like I've worked for attorneys who are like 10, 15, 20 years older than dad and have very like lawyer secretarial relationships with their secretaries. And like that has never happened as far as I know. Like, it's just not I don't think it's a thing in real life. It happens all the time in movies. It does. Yeah. it's just not a thing it's just one of those things that some like man once when making a movie was like i wish someone would put on my coat for me i do too many things in the day i need someone to put on my coat for me and then we went with it and now it's a thing. um yeah i mean there's nothing like there's not i mean you pointed out the one kind of joke where i was like Ugh. um but other than that there's nothing like glaringly offensive about this movie this movie's fun this movie is light and I have not like this week has been a lot and so this was it was what I needed it was a yeah it was joyful which is you know sometimes all you need I will say there are only two uh black women who speak in this movie and they are both angry uh I can't even think of who the second is one is his client who's getting divorced and so like that one doesn't bump me as much because it's like they're both she and her soon-to-be ex-husband are like arguing over whatever and it's supposed to be our look into patrick dempsey's like he's a divorce lawyer so whatever the other one is the bus driver who gets her bus stat in a very funny scene where james marston is slaying the dragon but it's manhattan so it's a fucking city bus oh right he then i mean again the character would be angry your bus just got stabbed but it's just sort of like black black sassy city worker and sort of a way of like oh we don't have any other speaking black women in this movie we've just like given them anger to have it felt a little it felt tired yeah but yes i agree with you i had a week it was nice to have a movie where i was like oh this is gonna be this is gonna go down easy yes that's exactly what this movie is it goes down goes down real easy yeah it's escapism it's a fantasy and it knows it and it owns it and there's something kind of you know fun and wonderful about that in two weeks we are watching jerry Maguire. thoughts we used to love it i don't know it'll be interesting to watch this one i've not watched it in a very long time i it could it could go all kinds of ways I mean, talk about your precocious children. Um, yeah. Yeah. The and it's also weighs eight pounds. Bonnie Hunt, though. 
True. Bonnie Hunt, Renee, well, with Renee Zellweger, a precocious child and a cult leader. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, there'll be lots to talk about. That's for damn sure. So, yeah, please join us in two weeks to talk about Jerry Maguire. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on the internet at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. And you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. We got a new, couple new reviews this week. It's really nice to read them. So thank you for that. Yes, please um, keep them coming. It helps like us. Them. It helps boost us so other people can find us. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not just we joke every week that it just makes us feel good, which is true. And we are both um, pretty severe narcissists, but also <laughs> it helps boost us so that our podcast can keep doing well and we can keep doing this. Yes. Um, anything else, Care? Nope. Bye. Bye.